Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by our longtime friend and member, Scotty Miser. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Susan, for reading that. Well, it's so good to see all of y'all here today. Um, Studying this passage was a little funny to me. I was talking to Gaines about it earlier, because sometimes, like, especially in the Revelation series, it feels like you're going through these letters and you have to work really, really hard to make it make sense. Um, it, it feels like the letters are kind of bent on reminding you that, no, you're rummaging through someone else's mail, and a couple centuries have passed since the letter got dropped off. And then there's other times where there's actually very little work you have to do. There's times you look at these ancient texts and think, huh, that kind of sounds like a fight I had last week with someone. That sounds really familiar, actually. And, and that's the passage we have today, if I'm honest. That's kind of the passage we have today. We don't have to do a lot of work to bring this into the 21st century. It's not about circumcision or food sacrifice to idols. It's about working together with people that are different than you. It's about working toward a common purpose with people who are different in just those everyday, annoying ways that make you ask, how can he not see what I'm talking about? That's what this passage is talking about. And in that way, humanity really has not changed. Our familiarity with this passage should not make us think that we're any better at applying it. But what's interesting about what Paul's getting at today is that idea of a body, of a unified purpose. 
that idea that yes, each of us individually are supposed to be like Jesus, but we give a much more accurate portrait of Jesus to the world if we treat this be Jesus operation, if we treat it more like a cooperative effort. What I mean is we're not, we're not just like lonely specks of dust floating around, each trying to be Jesus individually. We're actually a lot more like an ecosystem. We're a lot more like, uh, like a super organism that thrives on diversity and on cooperation, individuality, and unity. But in a nutshell, that's what I want you to take from today. If you get nothing else, take that idea that being Jesus does not just require you or me individually. Being Jesus requires everyone. If you take nothing else today, take that knowledge that being Jesus requires everyone. So first, and if we have that slide, we can pull it up, but... Um, the first point I want to make is that that everyone, it includes yourself. Being Jesus requires you to be yourself. I actually, I really love this quote from Dallas Willard. You've probably heard it. Gary's the one who taught it to me. But discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. That's what discipleship is. And I think that quote really gets at two ideas that we struggle with when we think about discipleship, when we think about becoming more like Jesus. Either we look at the standard of Jesus and we say, well, I'm never getting there. And so we just kind of punish ourselves and we either get really self-defeatist or we just lie. We just lie to other people about how we're doing. Or we say, well, God loves me as I am, so I will just become the version of myself that requires the least effort. And we'll never actually work on ourselves. We'll never actually improve. But becoming who Jesus was is he or you gets back to that verse where it says we're offering our bodies as living sacrifices. We're offering our everyday circumstances, our everyday states of being to Christ. So when we say be like Jesus, we're, we, we don't mean that you individually need to become a first century Palestinian rabbi. When we say be like Jesus, we mean become the redeemed version of yourself. It kind of sounds like surface level, just kind of self-help speech, like become the best version of you. But honestly, yes, become the Jesus version of you. Because it doesn't just stop with personal self-betterment. Because becoming the best version of yourself is what leads to transformation of a community. There are spots in your community that only you will be able to lead. 
I remember in, I want to say 2016, was when my first internship with Redemption was announced, somewhere around there. And I'm up there and, you know, Gary makes the announcement, here is Scotty, we all love Scotty, right? Yay, okay, cool. And then afterwards, uh, I'm at dinner and this woman who I've never met and I've never seen at church before or since came to me, the little intern, uh, with a project saying that this church should really do something about the then-recent floodings in Texas. And it, I didn't really know what to do with that because it was a, it was a great, it was, it was a great impetus, right? Like, it wasn't a bad idea, but I literally just got announced as an intern, so I'm just standing there like, oh, I'm not, oh, this, oh, um, do you, do you have an idea? It sounds like you have an idea. She's like, no, you should do it. You should just do it. I didn't. Um, and maybe that's why she never came back. But I just think that we can become that person so easily, right? It's so easy to notice the flaws in our community. And we assume that everyone else sees those flaws and just is choosing not to do anything about it. But if you're noticing them, you might be the one to do something about it. If you're looking around your community and you're saying, man, we just don't do worship right, I don't think. Well, talk about it. Maybe you're the one to lead us there. If you're thinking, wow, we really don't reflect the diversity of our community enough, well, maybe you're the one to lead us to a better place. Maybe you're the one who needs to start those conversations. That's what being the Jesus version of you means. It's not just self-betterment. It's filling the roles that only you can fill. I want to end this section with just this poem that I found very encouraging. If you don't believe that you are carrying Christ with you, I'll share this short poem. Why bother? Why bother? Because right now, there is someone out there with a wound in the exact shape of your words. Being Jesus requires everyone, and that includes you. So being Jesus requires you to be yourself. It also requires, less comfortably, others to be themselves. Um, I was thinking about this metaphor of the body, and it works just really well because of the interconnectedness. We don't think about the interconnectedness of our bodies all that, all that much. I think we really notice it when one part isn't working. So, for instance, what I, what I mean is, like, the eyes are probably, I don't know, in poetry, the most talked about body part. Like, it's just the eyes. If someone came up to you and said, you have beautiful eyes, like, you might be a little embarrassed or surprised, but it wouldn't be like, that's such a weird statement to say. But you would never expect someone to say, you have a 
beautiful pancreas. <laughs> right? Because they're just, it's not connected. It's not obvious how your pancreas is doing. But, speaking as a pancreatically challenged person, I can tell you that how your pancreas is doing very much affects your eyes. Every year, I have to go to an optometrist appointment to see if my prescription is getting worse, to see if diabetic neuropathy is setting in in my eyes. My eyes being the best version of themselves also requires my pancreas to be the best version of itself. You being the Jesus version of you also requires others to be the Jesus version of them. I'm going to go to that next slide, Marie. He lists a couple gifts here in the letter. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We encourage others not to necessarily become more like us. We encourage others to become more like the Jesus version of themselves. I remember when I was uh, when I was in I believe this was in, in middle school. I had a classmate who was just really annoying to me, and we just weren't getting along. And I don't know why, but I processed everything through my dad back then. So I brought this up to my dad, to my pastor dad. And so what he told me to do was pray for him, um, was pray for this classmate who was annoying me. And as I, I did, but after a while, after I did that for a long time, I realized I was really just praying for this person to be more like me. And my brain sort of expanded that out and just asked itself, well, Scotty, is that what you want? Do you want everyone to just be you? Because that, that's not a bright future. That's, that doesn't sound any fun at all. And it began this prayer in me. Just do not make this person more like me. Make him more like Christ. Make him more like you, Jesus. Me being the best version of me requires you to be the best version of you. So we want to be the Jesus version of ourselves. We need others to be the Jesus version of themselves. My third point that I want to bring up is that being Jesus means we learn from one another. Being Jesus requires everyone, and being Jesus means we learn from one another. Again, we're interdependent. If we look at this body of Christ idea, it's not, just a, it's not just a list of responsibilities or things I have to do. It's also an opportunity to learn from those around me. Sort of the inverse of what I was saying earlier. 
There are places where only you can lead. And there are probably people who only them can lead you in the way you need led. We can look to the ways we want to improve and we can look to our brothers and sisters and not just lead, but follow. I will never understand woodworking or nonprofit fundraising like Matt does. But I can learn from Matt. I have learned from Matt. See, aforementioned internship was made possible by the fundraising coaching of Matt. I'll never be able to juggle and switch gears in a homeschool environment like I've seen Kelly do. But I can learn from Kelly. As someone aspiring to be an educator, I can learn. And as we learn from each other, it's not that we ever stop being ourselves, right? But we just keep learning from others how to be better versions of that. We learn from the pancreas how to be better eyes. So appreciate what one another brings to the table. Be willing to learn, because we're all carrying some part of Christ that only together can we illustrate fully. But that's the good news, that we never have to stop being ourselves, and God can use us just as we are. So I want to close with a story here. Julie will always be better than me at organization. She knows where we need to be and when. She knows where things are. She's an achiever. She gets things done. You know, when we were, when we were first getting to know each other, it would like lead to some some misunderstandings for sure. Just like, oh, why can't you just get lost in this word game with me? And it's like, because I'm remembering where your medicine is, doofus. Like, that's... And we're at a planning stage in our relationship right now. We're planning a wedding. We're planning a move. And Julie's skills have come in handy time and time again. She is carrying so much of this planning operation. And planning a wedding does not play to my strengths particularly well. Um, if you want me to talk about the plans or joke about the plans, maybe I could do that. But making the plans and following through on them haven't been my strong suit. And that would be fine if this were leading to me, like, just self-improving and, and, and working at becoming better at this, developing these skills. But I've actually, I've indulged in some self-loathing in this season. I've, I've indulged in some really negative self-talk, um, just seeing all my weaknesses and really wishing I were someone else, really thinking that things would be easier if I were someone else. And um, we're in premarital counseling with Susan and Gary right now. And Gary called me out on this feeling. Um, 
He doesn't think he's a good premarital counselor, but he is. And he asks the two of us to actually reflect on the strengths that I bring to our relationship. And it took to me a minute, because I was so busy wallowing. I was so busy thinking about what I wasn't bringing, that I wasn't even considering what I had, what I had ever done to better this relationship. And I have Julie's permission to share this story. Um, Julie reminded me that in February of 2020, she lost her job. Some of y'all may know this, but she lost her job and it was, it was really sudden and it was incredibly traumatic for, for her. There was just a lot of, of hurt and a lot of broken relationships that resulted. And so Julie does what she does best. She's an achiever. She starts achieving. She gets a job at Starbucks. She gets accepted to grad school. She starts working at another facility almost immediately. But none of that erased the hurt. And when the hurt wouldn't go away, when the hurt refused to be planned around, Julie told me that it meant, it meant a lot to have someone there who could just be present, listening to the hurt, not planning, not planning it away, not just planning through it, but caring for it, letting the hurt breathe. And that's the good news, friends. In love, and in Christ, we should never feel that we have to be anyone but ourselves. When we offer the best that we have, when we help others become the best they can be, and we look for the people that we can follow, the people that we can learn from, that's when we become the body of Christ. Not a moment sooner. That's when we become the body of Christ. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.